Thanks for tuning into Journey. Everyone is welcome at the table. We are a community being shaped by Jesus, experiencing and practicing humility, curiosity, belonging, and generosity. We hope to be a people who embrace the way of Jesus by listening first, speaking second, loving freely, and giving generously. So glad you came. Keep talking and I'll talk over the top of you. All right, now I need your attention so we don't, aren't here all day. This is going great. I could get Mike to say something. <laughs> In from the parking lot. So if you're wondering what the table is, this is the table. We sit around a table, we eat food, and we talk, and we get to know each other. And uh, what I want to speak to this morning is how this turns into something more than just a conversation. But before we do that, I have a couple things I just want to tell you. First is we just ask that you be praying for Tim Timmons. He fell off a ladder. He is in the um, ER hospital. Where is he? Hospital. Uh, he is in a lot of pain. So, and he has some, um, some, some other complicating issues that go with that. So if you could just be praying for him, he's fine, but in a lot of pain. Let's put it that way. So, and it was uh, not a high fall, but a, a fall enough to um, take him to the ER and then in the hospital. So uh, be in prayer for him. If you don't know who Tim Timmons is, he's the bald guy that was born with a full beard and glasses. And you will get that if you were here on Christmas Eve. Uh, let me pray for us as we, we step into the next part of this. Keep eating, by the way. You can eat while I pray. I don't mind. Um, let's go. Lord, thanks. Thank you that we can gather and be reminded that people are what make up your church. It's not the facility. It's not the place, but it's your people. And as we get to know one another, I pray for us. I pray that we would be uh, struck in ways that change us as we interact with one another. Thank you for this food. Thank you for the conversation. Thank you for new friends. I do want to pray for Tim and his family, and I do want to pray for the rest of this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So the table, the table is our, um, our attempt to be the church. And, and a lot of what Mike was talking about earlier, we're gathering in this room, we gather at this spot, and we, we, we oftentimes call that going to church. We don't want to just go to church. We want to be the church. And so as you are sitting around the table, this is an opportunity to do that, to be the church. And I have been uh, participating in the table now this last year. We've hosted it at our home. Um, I've been to a couple homes. And um, I want to tell you what I've learned over the last year, just real quick. The first thing I've learned is, is that I always get surprised at a table. And what I mean by that is not like, oh my God, we're having tuna. None of that. Um, usually I know what we're having before we go, so if I need to eat before I go, I eat before I go. Um, which you can do. The point of the table is not the food. I mean, the food helps, 
but it's not the food. Obviously, we're having bagels from Costco this morning. Um, hope you're enjoying them. Please eat them, because there's a bazillion of them in the kitchen. Um, the, other thing, the other things that I've learned is if I pay attention to the people as they talk, I learned that there is always someone there that needs a word of encouragement. Um, the other things that I've learned is people want to get to know each other. I learned that again today. People are, are interested in knowing you. Um, they are interested in knowing the details of your life. Because of the frustration of sitting at a table and letting somebody say, okay, these are the questions you get to ask. Our, our table quickly divulged into, don't I get to ask more questions? Because there is this attempt, there's this wanting to be known and to know. And that's the essence of what happens at a table that, um, you know, we meet at our house from 6 until 8. Oftentimes that stretches till sometimes, can you people please leave? Um, but what happens is this conversation is about extracting information to find out about each other in such a way that we can actually know each other and be known. And that's really the point of the table. And I've also found that conversations are unpredictable and some people will say things that I'm like, wow, you just said that out loud. And for me, that's fantastic. I enjoy a great conversation and I enjoy a great impromptu moment, which the table affords us. Conversations are unpredictable. And it is good for me to be around people that are different than me. It's good for me to hear other points of view. It's good for me to hear how people think and how they uh, react to current situations in the world. And this last year was full of current situations in a year. And those conversations are just wonderful in understanding how people react. And you also get a feel for how they feel about the way the world is going. Um, and I just want to remind you that um, we do this not, not as a uh, replacement for small groups, but as an opportunity for us to be able to get to know a group of people, a bunch of people, to be able to be seen and known. Is there's something about walking in here on Sunday morning and knowing that at least you know five other people or six other people. And then even if you can't remember their name, because most people you can't, most of the people that I've met are gracious enough to say, hey, my name is, just to remind me. And if you would do that over and over again, eventually what happens is people say, yeah, I got it. Your name is Mike, and uh, you're bigger than life. Is he still in the room? Did he leave? Good, he left. All right. So anyway, all that to say, um, Jesus demonstrated this. This is our vision as a church. As you sit around this room and you interact with one another around your table and you begin to know somebody and you begin to be known is the point of the church. And a lot of the questions I get and Susie gets is, well, when does spiritual formation start taking place? Or when do we do discipleship? Or when do we, believe it or not, what's happening at the tables is that. It is spiritual formation and it is discipleship. Because what's happening is, is discipleship and spiritual formation don't take place unless you are known. And if you are not known, what you're being, what's happening is you're being taught. You're not being discipled. Those are two different things. And so we want to put you in proximity with people so that they can rub off on you and you can rub off on them. 
And so a couple of, couple of things. Um, first, Jesus demonstrated this throughout his ministry as table fellowship was so valuable that he did it all the time. So if you just read the gospels from beginning to end, you start to recognize how often he ate with people and how often he sat with them. And in those moments, a lot of spiritual formation takes place because culturally to eat with them was to accept them as equals, was to say, I'm good with you, you're good with me, and we're gonna have a meal together. It's why people were so upset with Jesus all the time. It's because he ate with everybody. The first story is this. It's found in Matthew chapter nine, verses nine through 13. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told them, told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, this is great, many tax collectors and sinners, I love that there's categories for both of those, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. The beauty of that story is Matthew ends up being one of his disciples, and he's... He's one of the outcasts of the culture, and there's relationship that is forged. There is something going on. Can you imagine sitting at a table at Matthew's house, the tax collector, the guy that's despised by the religious leaders of the day, and he invites all his friends. Who does he invite? He invites a bunch of sinners and tax collectors to have, to have a dinner with Jesus. Can you imagine that for a minute? Just imagine it for a minute. How would you feel walking into that one? welcomed well if you got invited you'd be in the category of the sinners and tax collectors I'm in on that one because I bet you it was a party I'll bet you there was a lot going on there that probably a lot of religious people wouldn't do and yet there's Jesus in the middle of it and he's in the middle of it in such a way that it irritates the religious leaders of the day which I love. But yet, here's the next story. Next story is in Luke chapter seven, verse 36 through 39. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Jesus didn't just eat with tax collectors and sinners. He ate with the religious leaders of the day. So you start to see the full spectrum of Jesus's ministry, don't you? You see it across now, what do you think? <laughs> do you think there was a bunch of tax collectors standing outside going, I can't believe he's eating with those Pharisees? A bunch of sinners standing out there going, well, dude, what's this? My guess is there had to be a few scratching their head because culturally what he was doing was so un untuned with who they all were. They didn't get it. They segregated themselves. It was very much so different. And then, and then it goes on from there. It says, a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Now, this is a party favor that all of you are about to do. Now... <laughs> <laughs> there is a bottle of perfume on each table. No, I'm kidding. 
obviously. But when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, and that she is a sinner. I, that story just sits on me often because passing judgment comes so easy. We see someone, we know them, and we assign to them a position in life, and we don't, and, and we don't invite them to the table to know them or be known by them. We want to exclude them. And so we find ourselves in this, this weird place where we read the story of Jesus, and as we watch it and we, and we see it play out, we begin to go, wait a minute, he ate with everybody. See, if I was gonna, if I was gonna exclude people, I would exclude the Pharisees. <laughs> I don't wanna eat with them. I don't know who you'd exclude, but there's people in our minds that we go, mm, I would exclude these people. We never say it out loud because good Christians don't say it out loud. We just don't include them. And so the point of church, the point of being the church is a place of hospitality. We want to be that place, whether Pharisee or not, whether a tax collector or a sinner, whether or not you fit in any of those categories, whether you believe you're above all of them, you're welcome at the table. Or whether you believe you're beneath all of them, you're welcome at the table. It's part of the reason why we've disciplined ourselves to do things that are beyond what we believe is comfortable. It's why we host here at Room of the Inn where we have homeless people come in, unhoused people, however that is said. But I don't want to insult them, but there's an, a moment where we get to sit at a table with people in a totally different life station than we are. And, it, and we begin to recognize their humanity. We begin to recognize that God created them. We recognize they have a family. They have all these things. They just happen to be in a place where they are currently unhoused. And we sit at a table and we're equals. The table is the centerpiece of ministry. It's not a program. It is a place to practice the principles of hospitality and ministry. On your tables, you will find a, um, I don't know how they're on your table, but it's a list of the one another's of scripture, which is also just another way of saying this. The Bible tells us how we're supposed to treat each other. <laughs> and, and with that, we begin to ask questions of, and you can take this with you if you want, but I just wanna talk about a couple of them and as I talk about a couple of them, I want to talk about how they relate to the table. And the first one is, is in Romans 15, 7. It says, accept one another as Christ has accepted you. If you be, in order to bring praise to God, that, that verse speaks to this idea of we don't just tolerate each other. We don't just put up with each other. We don't just acknowledge each other's existence. But there is a deep understanding of what happens between two human beings when they become known and they know each other. In a context of, of relationship, we begin to accept one another. Not to change them, but to love them. Two different things. 
Oftentimes we engage in discipleship to change somebody or we engage in spiritual formation to change someone. Jesus just encountered people and as he encountered those people and they interact and they got to know each other, there was an opportunity for change to take place. Zacchaeus is a glowing example. A chief tax collector shows up, uh, Jesus shows up at his house. He says, by the way, I'm gonna eat with you. Again, one of those moments in the scriptures where everybody's going, he's gonna go eat with Zacchaeus. And, and we always see Zacchaeus as a wee little man. A wee little man was he. And that wee little man was also just a scoundrel. He was a chief tax collector. He extracted money from people. He was a, a mafia man for the Romans. And so other th rather than this cute little man who climbed up in a tree, he was a despised man. Despised. Jesus goes, I'm coming to your house today. Shows up at his house. They eat together. They... And he experiences something he's never experienced before. He experienced acceptance from God. And when he experienced acceptance from God, that moved him to change his life. And we see the evidence of that as he gave away a lot of his wealth. So what happens, right, when you encounter acceptance is something changes in us. But when we encounter judgment, it refortifies us. So the table is important for acceptance because it allows us to be known and to know. The next one I want to talk about is in First um, Peter 4, 8. You can find them on here. I don't know how they're grouped, but this is on the back of the, I think. I don't know. You can find it. You can read them all. It says, First Peter 4, 8 says, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. I don't know if that's true or not, but it seems to work. Um, the question isn't whether or not we sin. The question isn't whether or not we are in that category. Oftentimes we don't think we are, not, at least not like Mike is, right? Or not like you fill in the blank. And we find ourselves comparing each other to each other and saying, ah, yeah, I'm not that bad. And so therefore, I don't fall into that category. But the reality is, if people love you and care for you and accept you and are in relationship with you, their love for you covers over a multitude of your sin. Sit in that for just a second, and you just sit in that for a second. Because oftentimes, we just view it the other way. We view it as my love for you covers over a multitude of your sins. But it's a, in, in the true sense of the word, it is for all of us to experience this idea of, oh, this relationship that is rooted in this idea of love covers over a multitude of my sins and their sins. Actually, relationship isn't possible unless that is true. Because you will come to the end of being willing to cover a multitude of sins if you don't love somebody. The, the, the next one is found in Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Devotion to one another. Respect one another. Honor one another. The table ethic puts others first. One of the unique things of sitting at a table is, is that it gives you the opportunity to know somebody, ask questions, but also somebody to know you. 
and being devoted to one another allows for that to happen without the expectation of that person conforming to what you think, believe, or know. It is to accept them where they are. And it is a place to practice hospitality. 1 Peter 4, 9, and 10, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. I love that. <laughs> you know, if you're, here's my invitation to you. My invitation is if you, how many of you have actually been to somebody's house at a table? Raise your hand. Well, a few of you. More than one? Okay. Part of getting in the habit of doing this is, is to practice this whole idea of getting to know one another. It is the practice of hospitality. It is the practice of saying, I'm gonna put aside what I had to do tonight to get to know a group of people. I'm gonna mark it in my calendar and make it a part of my practices of loving the people that I go to, go to church with because I'd rather be a part of a church than just go to church. It, it introduces you to the ethic of the table. It, it allows you to sit with people who are different than you. It allows you to experience life differently. And, and our hope is, is that the church is so diverse that you get surprised when you show up at the table. It has not failed me yet that I have been surprised. And it hasn't failed me yet when I've walked away going, hey, that was a great two and a half hours that I just spent with a group of people. And the goal isn't that somehow, some way, these become your best friends. They might. Some people have met really good friends at these tables. And some people have just met acquaintances. Some people have gotten to know people that do the same thing. Some people have gotten to know people that are just about in the same stage of life. They've gotten to know how to encourage one another. They speak into each other's lives in ways that's real, not fabricated. And it's powerful. And it's spiritual formation. It changes the way you see humans. And it gives you an opportunity to practice this, if you don't have a place to practice the one another's, how to treat each other, come to the table. Because you can put yourself aside for a couple hours, you can sit and talk and get to know and experience what it is to minister to a group of people. There's always, I guarantee you, there's always someone there that needs encouragement. And you're sitting there going, well, I need encouragement. Then show up and be the one that needs to be encouraged. And let the table encourage you. We do this because we love each other. And we want to know each other. I'm going to ask the band to come up. And they're going to lead us in a song. But as they're leading us in a song, we're going to do the Jesus table together, also known communion, Lord's table, whatever. And our leaders are going to come around and serve each table. And as they do that, I ask that you hold on to the elements. Don't take them, because I would like for us to take them all together. I'll come back and lead us through that. But you're about to be served a piece of bread, and if you don't get one, there's always bagels at your table. Um, and a little bit of juice. And we invite you to the table. And I'll talk about that a little bit more as I come back up. 
Let me pray as the band leads us in a song. Jesus, thank you for these few moments that we could have around this table and that we could talk and share and know and get to know a new group of people or even reacquainted with people we already know. May we see the humanness of every person in this room as we interact with one another. May we be a source of hospitality and encouragement. And may we ponder how this works as we gather around the table like your disciples did on the night you were betrayed. And we give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen.